New Year's Six was full of drama. Lots of close calls. Playoff games were the best playoff games I think we've seen. And uh, we'll tell you where we hit and where we missed in our predictions. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, the Cotton Bowl. Our prediction was Ohio State 24-17. I got to tell you that having Devin Brown, the injury that happened to him early in the game, pretty much sealed sealed the fate of the Buckeyes. Lincoln Keenholz, the young quarterback, came in, really couldn't get anything going. When Brown went out, Missouri just pinned their ears back, and they just they just went. They were not going to let Ohio State run the ball. They were not going to let Travion Henderson uh, do anything um, on the ground. And so they held the Buckeyes to a season-low 203 yards, which is just crazy. So hats off uh, to Brady Cook and the Missouri Tigers. And Brady Cook just announced he's coming back for another season. And I think this is a, a springboard for them into next season. So I would be very excited if I'm a Missouri fan. I really like where where you're headed. Um, I would expect Missouri is going to be vying for a playoff spot next year. It's going to be very competitive. Um, you know, the SEC could get three or four teams in. And I think Missouri could be one of those. If you're an Ohio State fan, you got to be a little concerned at the quarterback position. Um, obviously, Devin Brown, he looked pretty good. The sample size was just too small to tell how he was going to be. Um, I thought he looked okay. You know, they, they went down, they, they scored a field goal, kicked a field goal, and it looked like it was he was going to do all right. But then that injury happened, and you could just tell it was just he was not the same. Uh, tried to play a little bit, just was not the same. Um, I think that you guys, it, it sounds like you're going to get Will Howard out of the portal. That would be a great get for you guys from Kansas State. And so you're going to need that quarterback position solved because I feel like the Buckeyes have a lot of really good pieces heading into next year, minus the quarterback position. Rolling into next year, both Missouri and Ohio State, I expect to be vying for playoff spots. Ohio State is going to be, again, one of the favorites to win the Big Ten, and we will just see how that shakes out. Ryan Day is probably feeling a little bit of pressure. I think some of the Ohio State fans you know, are frustrated watching Michigan have all this success, but it is what it is. You got to just focus on you, and I think Ryan Day is a really good coach, and he's probably going to figure it out. Uh, Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, like I said, he's got you going in the right direction, recruiting well, hitting the transfer portal well, and I'm excited to see what the Tigers bring into the 2024-2025 season. Okay, so now we got the Peach Bowl, and Ole Miss, we had winning 28-17. What actually happened was Ole Miss won 38-25. So we thought they'd win by 11 points. They end up winning by 13 points, and the game went essentially as we thought it would. We were giving the advantage to Ole Miss in this game, giving the advantage to their offense versus the vaunted Penn State defense. And part of part of the prediction was just how bad Penn State's defense is, and the other part, or I mean, how bad Penn State's offense is. And so the other part of our prediction was that Ole Miss has seen Georgia and they've seen Alabama and they've seen these big defensive fronts and these fast corners and and fast linebackers that can hit, and it wasn't going to be a shock to them, and it proved true. Uh, Penn State, actually, I felt like they were fortunate to only lose by 13. Um, they hit on a couple plays in the first uh, half, uh, one specifically where the quarterback was scrambling to his left. He kind of you know, reached back like this to throw it through, through it. It was tipped. His receiver ends up catching it um, and then, you know, went all the way down inside like the 10 yard line. And so um, I thought that play was a little bit of an outlier um, in the game, but that definitely helped them, propelled them to a score. And, you know, they hit on another explosive play later in the half. 
Then you get to the second half, and they really didn't do anything. Ole Miss really controlled that game. Um, I, I think, obviously, it was 38-25. Ole Miss could have scored, you know, again. And it just wasn't – it didn't feel that close to me at the end of that game. Um, if you look at the actual yards, though, what will shock you is that Penn State had 500 yards. And I'm, I'm looking at that, and I'm just shocked of how that actually happened. But Ole Miss had 540 yards – again against that Penn State defense and they really just kind of had their way with that they had the game control as far as the clock as well time of possession you know 33 and a half minutes to 26 minutes what this means I think for Penn State I think it's the the mission is really simple for James Franklin and Penn State I think you have to find an offense and you have to find an identity that you want to be on offense and you might have to do some things outside of what you have been doing because the result has been second tier Big Ten program, like really good, but second tier, not going to beat Michigan, not going to beat Ohio State. Um, Jonathan Smith coming into the conference there uh, for Michigan State. You're going to have more competition. Now you've got Oregon coming in. You've got Washington coming in, USC, UCLA. Uh, the conference is not going to get easier, and you're going to have to find some sort of offensive identity or you're going to get left behind. Uh, Penn State is, is elite by all measures on defense. They have the, the right guys. They can play. I mean, they just they do a really good job coaching them up there. But you have got to find an offensive identity, an offensive something there if you're Penn State. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Mario Cristobal's teams in Miami it's, it, and, and at Oregon where it's just unless he has some sort of really elite quarterback, they struggle offensively. And so on the other hand, you've got Ole Miss. They've got a ton of momentum. The number one team in the transfer portal, they're getting, they're getting – you know, the people they want, they're writing checks. And I think it's looking up for Kiffin there. I expect maybe he'll get over the hump this year. We'll see. Um, you know, the SEC obviously isn't getting any easier um, as well with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. And so we'll, but we'll see where, where you go. I like Ole Miss's trajectory. And I'm looking forward to a exciting 2024-25 season with these two teams as well. Ole Miss especially looking to see if they can get to the playoff next year. The Orange Bowl. And we could have called this the Red Bull, the bloodbath. You could call it whatever you wanted to call this one. This one was ugly. And we predicted it would be ugly. We thought it was going to be 40-14. to 14. Ended up being 63-3. to 3. And Kirby Smart has no chill. Yes, we know that, right? Kirby just put it to the Seminoles. He sent a message to college football about culture and how his team, those guys, he got a lot of NFL guys on that team that decided to go ahead and show up to that game, and FSU had an unprecedented amount of opt-outs. You know, this is this game was was one of the ones that we were, we said is a lock bet of all lock bets. So we didn't have to go, you know, through through how that game went. By every statistical measure, it was domination by Georgia. The yards were 673 and 209 for, to, for Florida State and four turnovers for Florida State, none for Georgia, 36 first downs versus 11 first downs, and it was just a complete domination by Georgia. And so this really, this game, it, obviously there's been a lot talked about, and Florida State fans, there's been a lot of, I've seen a lot of the excuses and a lot of the, the like, whining about stuff and, like, oh, we got screwed by the playoff committee. You know, Georgia felt like they probably did too. Now, did they win their conference? No, they lost their conference championship, but they just went out and they took care of business. They showed it on the field. They didn't whine about it. They weren't filing a lawsuit. They weren't doing any of that, right? They wanted to make a point. 
And so for Florida State, your guys on there, you guys, they just quit. They quit. It didn't mean anything to the team anymore. They went undefeated. They felt like they'd done all they had to do. And we get it. Everybody feels like you got hosed. But what you have to do is you got to finish. You got to finish. And that's the, the lesson, I think, that a lot of the Georgia players that decided to show up and said, this is how we finish. Florida State, you guys could have went in there. Maybe you guys give Georgia a game. Maybe you beat Georgia. Maybe you beat Georgia, and you would look back, and you would have a legitimate gripe at being a co-national champion if you go in there and you would have handled business there. You could have had at least a gripe about that. But but being left out and then getting smoked 63-3 to and having the quick culture of the into the bowl game and that it was meaningless and everything else and, and all that, that just – that to me is the part that needs to leave college football, right? You show up, you play, you're a paid athlete now. You're no longer a broke college kid. You're a paid athlete that is being paid the entire season by your university. You're taken care of. You get meals. You've got, you got your free school, and you're getting, again, you're getting paid. And so you're a professional athlete. You have to start acting like one, and professional athletes finish. And so for Florida State, I mean, it is what it is, and I think Georgia sent the message to them and said, look, this is how you finish. Kirby Smart culture, good on you. I love that. I love that. Uh, that you guys stuck around, you stuck together, and the good the good player said, I want one last ride with my guys. I'm a competitor. I'm going to play. And it showed. So looking in, looking forward to 2024. I'm sure Florida State's going to be fine. They're going to hit the transfer portal. They're, they're going to get some guys. You know, they've got guys there. Um, I would expect that Florida State, again, is going to vie for a playoff spot. We'll see what conference you know they're in, if they leave the ACC or what's going to happen there exactly. And for Georgia, I think it's just reload. They were hit hard by the portal. As a matter of fact, they had the same amount of players missing from that game as Florida State did. Um, so they just had more people hit the portal. And I expect Georgia fully to be back next season. The Fiesta Bowl. And this is another game which we were just looking at before and saying this is going to be just brutal. This game is going to be brutal. We predicted it'd be 50-21. to 21. It ended up being 45-6. to six. And Liberty came out through the first punch, marched down and scored, and that was the highlight of their entire game. So they the Ducks reeled off 45 straight points, and it wasn't as close as, as that, that felt. Um, the, the Ducks... Again, every statistical measure, they wanted to prove they were still one of the best teams in college football. You know, losing to Washington twice close, and it looked, it looked to 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 me at least, it looked like they they still are up there in the top four. So looking to see what happened. Bo Nix got the the record. Now Bo Nix, I gotta take a, a hat off to Bo Nix, and that is exactly this is along the line, same lines as I was just talking about with Florida State and Georgia. Right, this is the closer to the Georgia culture, which is good on Dan Lanning. You had Brandon Dorless there. You had Bo Nix there, Bucky Irving. You had guys there that are, this is it for them. They didn't have to play in this game. They didn't have to play in this game. Everybody would say, go ahead and sit out. But to them, they were like, it was a no-brainer. There was no other choice but to play in this game and to take one last ride with their teammates. They've done all this work. They work so hard. Bo Nix had nothing left to prove. Yeah, he got some NCAA record, you know, an NCAA completion record, whatever. But he didn't have to play. He'd done everything he can. But he's not worried about risking his NFL future. Yes, I'm sure he probably has a life, or a, um, not a life insurance, but an insurance policy, an injury policy pulled out on him, as do a couple of these guys. But still, they showed up and they finished with their team. And that, to me, means everything 
as far as co- culture goes. So good on you, Dan Lanning. The Ducks still look like a great team. If if I'm Oregon, I'm really looking forward to 2024 and heading to the Big Ten. Liberty, take nothing away from that season. This was a tough matchup for you. Nobody thought you were going to win. The fact you came down and scored on the first play, played with a lot of enthusiasm. It was good to see you guys out there competing. And, I mean, first year in that in Conference USA, you win it, you go undefeated. I think you exceeded everybody's expectations. And, again, for Oregon, I think I fully expect Oregon to be in the playoffs next year, uh, vying for that Big Ten crown. And uh, with the way they're recruiting and with the way that culture is set, I think there should be some high expectations there at Oregon. All right, now we get to the playoffs, the Rose Bowl. Alabama, Michigan, we predicted Alabama 21-17, and what we got was an overtime thriller, and Michigan pulling it out 27-20. And that game was crazy. It was just on script for us pretty much most of the game. Felt like Alabama, especially in the second half, had asserted themselves. They were going to look like they were just – they were going to do what they do and they were and win, uh, strangle the teams out in the kind of the second half and figure it out. And they were, this is really good on Michigan. You guys are trailing. You're down. Alabama's driving down, you know, with the lead, four-point lead and the ball. They score a touchdown. That game's over. And you guys held them to three points. They come, and then you get the you get the ball back and you go down in a quote unquote, I call these championship drives, is what they are, because champions are the one you gotta make. You got to make points or at the times where you have to do something and you do it, right? You have to get a stop or you have to get a score. And then you guys needed both of those things to happen. You couldn't allow a touchdown. You didn't do that. And then you march down the field and you score with several key plays on that one. There was a tip ball there um, and that and, and a completion and almost a touchdown there to help get you guys in that last, that first score to get you in, get you tied in into overtime. Um, Michigan, you guys, you guys won the statistical battle, uh, three fifty one to two eighty eight. Each each had a turnover. It was like it's a fairly even match there. What I was really impressed with with Michigan was the way that you were getting dominated in the second half and the resilience that you had at the end of the game and start pushing the line of scrimmage and then Blake Corum breaking that seventeen yard touchdown run. It's cl- that's classic Harbaugh just kind of. Just chip away and keep with it, pound, 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 and eventually you guys broke it open. And the other part that was really impressive was the defense and how you guys got to Jalen Milrow. That was, I think they sacked him five times in the first half and had 15 dropbacks. He got sacked five times, eight pressures. That was a phenomenal job by the Michigan front against a really good and big Alabama offensive line. I am very much looking forward to the national championship game but for Alabama your season's over um Nick Saban this has got to be still one of his best coaching jobs getting this team to the playoff with the all the challenges that they went through Jalen Milrose a good quarterback he's got some things that he's got to work on particularly in his in in his in his reads and the passing game he's an elite runner like I said he's a he's a big time runner he's a running back with the football he's like a dual you instead of dual threat you could call that guy dual position because when he runs he runs like a running back and when he started doing that, the Alabama offense started to roll. Um, but in the passing game, Michigan did a great job of just keeping him in check. Um, you know, I think he, they may have hit on one. I don't remember if it was one or two, you know, big explosion plays. But for the most part, the Michigan DBs really did a good job and also that front in pressuring him. So for Alabama, I expect you guys will be back 
in the playoffs next year, that is just, I mean, still, still to me, still the standard of college football. It's going to take some years before somebody takes that away. Uh, the, the playing field is leveling a little bit. The SEC, your run of championships is over. Um, no Alabama, no Georgia for the championship. And that is, uh, I, I've mentioned that in a previous show, actually. I got a lot of grief uh, for that and saying it was a bad take, but I had said that the players in the SEC had gotten paid all the way up until the NIL and the transfer portal, right? They were paying players beforehand, and everybody knows this SEC. And so then when the transfer portal and NIL hit and everybody can get paid at the top, it's leveled the playing field. These kids can go out of the area. They can still get paid, do what they love, and it's all above board now. And so to me, um, I still think the SEC is the dominant conference, but you're going to go without a champion this year. We'll see about next year. For Michigan, hats off to you. You have one more game left. You're going to go against a really good Washington team. And I'm going to tell you, like, a couple of those, those keys I guess we'll get into for predictions. But I'm really excited to see that Michigan defense against that Washington offense. I think that is strength on strength, and that is exciting to see. But Michigan, again, good on you. You've showed resilience, you were down, and you came back, and you advanced to the championship game. We had the Sugar Bowl. This classic playoff game, Washington, Texas, rematch of last year's Alamo Bowl, lots of storylines here. We predicted that Washington was going to win 38-35. What happened? Washington won 37-31. The game went pretty much how we thought, and you know, going in, we thought— Texas was just like a little bit less complete version of Oregon. That was really the thought, right? Oregon, we felt like the difference was Oregon had like a little bit better offense, and we'd seen Washington play against that a couple times. And then the defensive side of the ball, we felt like maybe Texas had an advantage up front. And so that was really interesting to see see that Texas front against the Washington, who had the best offensive line in the country. And so, and that played out pretty well. I mean, that Texas front there for for most of the game they held Washington in check. They really held Dylan Johnson in check. They really did that, and that was a little bit of a surprise. But what does a good offensive coordinator do when you're taking something away? They say defend this, and all of a sudden they get Michael Penix, who's not running all season, only if he has to, and they give him a couple power reads, and you know QB power runs, and he breaks a couple of them. I mean, in, in big-time plays at big times in that game where they needed it, and that opened up the running game. I think they finished with Washington finished with just over 100 yards rushing, which was the magic number, uh, in our opinion, to get them there. That, that game came down to the last second, which was absolutely crazy. Didn't feel like it should come down to the last second, but it came down to the very last, last play of the game. And I felt like if Ewers throws a little bit better of a ball, I think that, that receiver uh, was, had a good box-out position. Um, on him, but that ball was a little bit, uh, to me, it was a little bit too um, too much towards uh, the out-of-bounds. And I understand he's trying to throw it back shoulder, but I just felt like he put a little bit too much on it. But anyway, um, it is it is what it is. Michael Penix is the best pure passer. And I said this before the game. I've said this a lot this season. Michael Penix Jr., to me, what makes him the best is he is the best at getting moved off of his spot and then resetting his feet and getting the ball out accurately with velocity. Like, there's, I have not seen a better quarterback, especially in college, that can avoid a rush, move out, reset his feet, and fire the ball downfield 
just in stride. It's like it's like nothing ever happened. He's by far the best that I've seen be able to do that. And he's his release is incredibly quick, but I think that's a product of his very fast feet. And so you watch him, he's moving, 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 and then he just boom pops up and throws the ball. The ball's out, and it's a strike. And so I watch Penix do this all year long. I think now everybody across the country goes, yeah, that, that guy probably should have been the Heisman, and he should have, and he should have. So Michael Penix Jr. should have been the Heisman, right? I, I view that as, as a pretty big uh, hiccup, you know, from, from the Heisman voters, just like when Christian McCaffrey uh, didn't win it as well. Same, same type of deal. But for the Huskies, you were underestimated once again, everybody, you know, Texas was the favorite. Huskies were underestimated, and they did it. They had the game control. They really controlled the clock, and I think that number, yeah, it was 36 minutes they had the ball to 23 for Texas. That is, if you give an offense like Washington the ball for that long of a time, you're not going to win. The, you're, you're just not going to win. You're going to have to win that time of possession. Time of possession doesn't mean everything. And a lot of people say it's a worthless statistic. I think for Washington, it's a pretty valuable statistic. I think that's a, a pretty telling statistic because of the way they attack you in so many different ways, and they have these long, sustained drives, or they can quick strike you. But when they're able to get in a rhythm and get long, sustained drives, they come out with points, and they come out with the lead. And they did to Texas. I mean, they really about knocked Texas out um, in, that, in the third quarter. I think Texas ran five plays in the third quarter. And so... If there's a thing that you would say, vintage Washington this year, that was it right there. Championship drives, go down, get it done. Now, something weird happened at the end of that game that could affect the national championship game, which was Dylan Johnson. They put him in, and, and he's carrying the ball at the, you know, the end of the game, and he gets injured, stops the clock, and it probably you know, saved 30 seconds or so off of the clock there. And then Texas had that chance to come down and score. But Dylan Johnson... You don't have him healthy. I said it earlier. I thought Washington's probably a two to three loss team this season without Dylan Johnson. And all of a sudden, his status for the national championship game is questionable. They've got guys at running back, but they don't have guys like Dylan Johnson. Dylan Johnson is a very, very good running back. And I'm going to tell you, if they don't have him in the national championship game, look out. That that could be a, a, a very big issue because Washington, as much as they pass the ball, so they passed for, I can't remember, it was 400, 430 yards um, is what they passed for. And, you know, it ran for 102. But if they can't run the ball, it's a lot, it's going to be a lot easier, especially for Michigan, right? If they could get pressure with four. But they've got it, the Huskies got to be able to run the ball enough to keep you honest. And that's usually what they do. And Dylan Johnson's a big part of that because he breaks a lot of tackles. He gets to the second level, he breaks a lot of tackles. Texas did a really good job of holding him, being very physical um, at the point of attack. But just keep that in mind. Keep that injury in mind. Um, that could play big in the national championship game. We'll get into that in a little bit. My final thoughts on Texas, uh, really good season. I think you had an incredible run. You guys were resilient. A lot of great takeaways if I'm Texas heading into next season. Sark's your guy. Sark is a good enough coach to win a national championship there. He's got the players. He's got the booster support. He's got the culture in place. There is a lot of good things if you're Texas. You're heading into the SEC, and two years ago, I would have said, oh, look out, this is, they're going to have trouble in the SEC. Right now, I think, I think it's like, look out, SEC, you know, 
Texas is going to be right there, right near the top of the SEC with the way they've hit the transfer portal, the way they've recruited, recruited, and the way they've set the culture in there. So I'm really impressed with Texas. I think um, you know it's it's looking up for you guys, and I fully expect Texas to be back in the playoffs next season. You're gonna have viewers back. You're gonna have a lot of guys back that can help, and you've got a lot of new guys coming in. You guys are going to be just fine. You're going to reload and be back. Um, Washington, congrats. Again, underestimated all season. You know, you're going to be underdogs again. I think I just saw the line this morning was your underdogs, four-and-a-half-point dogs again. And I think that role for you is very comfortable. Kalen DeBoer is very matter-of-fact. You guys got the best coaching staff, um, especially the best offensive coaching staff in the country. Your defense shows up when it needs to. And it's hard to see a scenario where you guys don't win the national championship, but we'll get into that for predictions. So hats off to Washington for um, winning the Pac-12, winning the Sugar Bowl, advancing to the national championship. They've just won. They've got a chance to go win their first outright undisputed national championship. And I think that is a huge accomplishment. And then they just won their first playoff game ever. That's all we got for today. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're listening or watching. We really appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Helps us out. Share it with your friends. And let us know in the comments what you think of the show. We love hearing the feedback and a lot of the great comments there. Uh, for Sports Idol Nation, I am Josh Rodriguez. Sports is in our DNA, and we hope it's in yours too.